Romans 12, did you find it? Chapter 12, verse 9, this is what it says. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Um, I want to title tonight's message, if you're taking note, the title of tonight's message is Prove It. Prove It is the title. I need you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, don't just say it. Prove it. Hey, turn to your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Enough talking. Time to prove it. Can I get an amen, someone? Have you ever said something that you regret saying? Have you ever done that? Any play? Like, like that was the theme of my teenage years. And uh, some might say it's still the theme of my life. Uh, I, I grew up in a small neighborhood, a small community. And uh, we lived by the junior high, the school that I grew up. Uh, we lived by the junior high. And I remember often we would go, we would, <laughs> we would hop the fence illegally and go hang out at the junior high. We, would, we had like 24-7 access to the football fields, the baseball fields. And I remember my friends and I, we would go hop the fence, be totally shady about everything. It was awesome. And then we'd go play football or Frisbee or uh, capture the fra- flag or whatever. And um, the frag words. That's awesome. Anyway, so we would go, me and my friends would go often to this, to, to the junior high to play around. And I remember one afternoon or one evening, right before we went home, uh, our friends decided, a couple of our friends decided they would have a field goal kicking contest, a field goal kicking contest, which is great, whatever. But for me, I wasn't going to participate in that. Like, I'm good. Y'all have fun looking like idiots. I'm not going to do that. And so I remember me hanging out in the back with my, the other friends that didn't want to embarrass themselves. And I remember them cook, kicking the field goals and, like, totally missing, like, just making fools out of themselves. And, and I'm standing next to one of my friends named Corey. And I remember thinking, like, saying under my breath, like, I could do that easy. I could do that. No problem. And Corey turned to me and said the two dreaded words that anyone in that situation would want to hear. He looked at me and he said, prove it. I said, huh? What? What'd you say? He said, you could do it. You said you could do it. So prove it. Have you ever been in that situation? You like start making excuses like, oh, bro, listen, I would, I would, but listen, like my leg hurts. Like I got doctor's orders. I don't mean to be nothing. I can't do any of that. And I'm wearing jeans and like, yeah, it just, it just wouldn't end well. Like, just trust me. You ever been like that? Just trust me. If it was to happen, it's going to go down, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And Corey interrupts me at that moment. And he's like, no, bro, you said you could do it. Stop talking and prove it. And I was like, oh, you said you want me to prove it? You want me? Oh, I'll prove it for you. So I remember backing up. And at this point, I'm still pretty confident in myself because I don't mean to brag to you or anything tonight, but I was the starting quarterback of my eighth grade B-team football team, okay? I don't mean to brag. I don't want to brag to you. So I was pretty confident. I was pretty athletic at this time. And so I'm backing up. I'm like, how hard can this be? It's a ball. You kick it in the air over a bar. Come on. Easy. Anyone could do that. And so as I'm running to the football, it hits me. 
I have no idea what I'm doing. This is going to end really poorly. Like, but I've committed. I, I can't back out mid-run, right? So as I, this is a true, true story. As I go and kick for the football, I instead kick my friend, his hand. I kick his, and the, the football ricochets off the ground and hits another friend in the face. No, no lie. And even better than all that, I ripped my jeans where nobody wants to rip their jeans, right? So all of this has happened. I'm mortified at this point. I literally hop the fence, run home, hide in my room, and throw those jeans away. Like my parents still to this day, hi, mom and dad, they have no idea what happened to those pair of pants. I threw them away. Forgive me. They were totally ripped. All because, all because I couldn't live up to what I said I could do. That's what happened. Like, we love to talk the talk, don't we? Like, as a society, we love to just say things, especially in our digital world where people will value you, people will encourage you, and you can actually go viral simply for the things that you say. We have a heavy value in today's world based on what you say. Have you heard the term slacktivism? Have you heard this one before? No. Anyways. Okay. So slacktivism, social scientists came out with this term a few years ago. And basically what slacktivism is, it is when, have you seen those organizations that will post online and say, hey, we need your money. We need your help. We need your uh, participation. Words. I speak for a living, y'all. This is awesome. We need, have you seen those posts before? Like, hey, donate here. We need your money here. But what slacktivism is, it is that mentality of if I share, if I like double tap this or share this post, I've played my part. But what social scientists have found is that no matter how many times you share something or like something, you're still not actually contributing to anything. So slacktivism is this whole idea that just because I shared something, I spoke about something, I talked about something, I did it, I did something, but you didn't. All you did was talk about it. You didn't actually contribute to anything. Slacktivism. And it's, if we're honest, Christians can kind of be the same way too, right? Like, we love, Christians love to post about blogs. Like, we love posting blogs or really spiritual, like, titles on our Instagram. And, like, we love Jesus, like, Bible verse and all that kind of stuff. But then you're like, bro, I see you talking about Jesus all the time. I don't see you do anything about Jesus. And they're like, oh, how dare you? How dare you say that I don't do anything? You'll just have to trust me. And Paul is saying in Romans 12, that's not how it works. Following Jesus doesn't work that way. He's issuing the same challenge to us that Corey issued to me. You say you love Jesus? Prove it. See, you thrive when you let your life do the talking, not your lips. You thrive in your life when your life is the thing that does the talking, not your lips. Paul says don't pretend to love people actually do it. You say you love Jesus, we'll prove it. How do we prove it? Luckily, Paul gives us a list in Galatians 5.22. Let's look at it. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What Galatians 5.22 is saying is that if you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, there should be fruit. There should be evidence, not in what you say, but in how you live, that you follow Jesus. I love because often I'll talk, to, I'll talk to young women, and sometimes the conversation of, like, boys come up, and they're like, I've got a new boyfriend, or, like, 
there's this boy I like at school, and they'll do this, right? You know the conversation. And, the, and the, the question I always ask them when that conversation comes up is like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Does he love Jesus? And what I'm asking in that moment is not just does he love Jesus. Really what I'm asking is if I followed that dude around and totally creeped on him for a day, would I be able to tell without talking to him that he loved Jesus? And so I'll ask girls, like, hey, so does he love Jesus? And I, every time their response is, oh, absolutely. He goes to church every week. Ladies, listen, listen. Going to church is not a fruit of the Spirit, okay? Going to church is not a fruit of the Spirit. Ladies, when I ask you, does he love Jesus, here's what I'm asking you. Is he loving to people? Is he joyful? Is there something peaceful about him? Is he patient? Is he kind? Is he pure and full of self-control? Does he love Jesus? Fellas, glad you're here. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. My question to you, fellas, is not do you come to church. That is not the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. My question to you is are you loving to people? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you good when no one's watching? Are you pure and are you full of self-control? See, we have to have evidence of following Jesus. We can't just say we love Jesus. We can't just, Paul says, we can't just pretend to love people. We have to actually really love them. You know what pretending to love people looks like? It looks like, hey, bro, like I'm on your team. Well, until like things don't go good, then I'm out. You know what pretending to love people looks like? Hey, the only time I'm going to say something nice about you is when you respond to my TBH. I'm going to say you're really awesome and then never talk to you again. Pretending to love people. You know what else pretending to love people looks like? Hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. We're all in this together. Until it gets messy until it gets difficult, until you say something that offends me, and then I'm out pretending to love people. Paul is saying enough is enough. Stop pretending you love people. You want to really love people? Love them when it's messy. You want to really love people? Love them when it's difficult. Love them when it's challenging. Love them when it's unfair. Love them when it's inconvenient. Do you know why? Because that's exactly how Jesus loved you. The blueprint for knowing how to love people is remembering how God loved you. And how did he love you? He loved you even when you were messy. He loved you even when you were difficult. He loved you even when you were challenging. Even when you were an enemy of God. God still loved you. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for you, even when you were still dead in your sin, sent his son Jesus to die for you, to welcome you into his family. You want to really love people? Not just pretend. You love like Jesus, the entire message of the gospel of Jesus is that he didn't just stay up in heaven and say, I love you. You're awesome. The message of the gospel is that God took on flesh, became the man Jesus, came down to us to live a life of love and to die on a cross for you. Don't pretend to love people. The invitation of God is to love people through your life, not just your lips. The invitation of God is to love people with your life, not just your lips.
And Paul is saying, don't pretend to love people. Really love them with your life. But I get it. People are difficult. Not me, but people are difficult. The challenging relationships can be really difficult and troubling at times. And look at what, look at what Paul says in verse 12. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Guys, you thrive, you ready for this? When you pray more than you complain. You want to thrive in life? Pray more than you complain. I don't like this one. Like, I love complaining. Like, my wife will tell you, I'm like a professional critic. Like, let me go watch a movie. I'll find something wrong with it. Let me hear a song. I don't like that. That wasn't good. Did you hear that part of the song? I didn't like that. I'm a professional critic. Like, talk to me about an event. Oh, I'll nitpick something. Take me to a restaurant. Ooh, this wasn't good. Did you remember that? Talk to me about a person. I will find a flaw to point out. I'm a professional complainer. Like, for real, love to be a critic. Because, and the reality is, like, I get it. If you're with me, I get it. Life, life can be difficult. People can be difficult. Life can be troubling. But what Paul is saying is that the evidence of God's people is that in times of trouble, they pray more than they complain. The evidence of God's people is that they pray more than they complain. And I love how practical Paul gets He says, when things get difficult, be patient and keep on praying. When your friend said that one thing that hurts you, be patient and keep on praying. When you feel totally alone, be patient and keep on praying. When you feel completely hopeless, be patient and keep on praying. When you feel frustrated by your parents and your siblings and your teacher and your pastor, be patient and keep on praying. Because when you pray more than you complain, you will love more than you hate. When you pray more than you complain, you will bless more than you curse. When you pray more than you complain, you will build up more than you tear down. When you pray more than you complain, you will encourage more than you discourage. When you pray more than you complain, you will look more like Jesus. But some of us are too busy complaining all the time. Instead of taking our troubles, taking our frustrations... Being patient and saying, God, I need you in this. Help me. The evidence of God's people are that we pray way more than we complain. And I love what Paul says next. He says, verse 12, be patient in trouble, keep on praying. And then verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hospitality is such a challenging word because it goes against our, our nature. It goes against our culture. Like, we don't like outsiders. Like, as, as natural positioning of our hearts, we don't like outsiders. We don't like strangers. And, like, listen, it's good to practice, like, good caution when you meet people you don't know. It's wise to practice some element of caution when you meet strangers. But we have, as a society, we have taken on this characteristic that we are very hostile to outsiders. We are hostile to people who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, who don't believe the same things that we believe. Some of us are hostile to people who don't even go to the same school you go to. We have developed this natural sense of hostility to outsiders. And our hearts have now positioned that. But I want you to understand this. You thrive when you live a life of hospitality instead of hostility. 
You thrive when you live a life of hospitality instead of hostility. Paul is telling us in Romans 12, the evidence of God's people is simple. You take care of people and you practice hospitality to those in need. You say you follow Jesus. Prove it. Are you taking care of those who are in need? Are you being hospitable to anyone? Guys, before we exclude anyone else, can we just remember that God included us? Before we draw the line and say, nope, you're no longer welcome in my life, can we just remember for a second that Jesus invited you into his life? And you were all kind of screwed up. And he's still inviting you. Guys, if loving people is your purpose, your life will never be pointless. If loving people is your purpose, your life will never be pointless. Can I get some, like, things behind me? Oh, that was awesome. Not what I was asking for. (laughs) Hallelujah, brother. Come on. You're encouraging me. Hey, I want to read one more. (laughs) It's the best thing that's happened ever. I want to read one more scripture to you. James chapter 3, verse 14 says this. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. I love that. If you understand the heart of God, prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. So many of us love to talk. We love to talk. We love to to post really cute spiritual blogs. We love to put really fun spiritual things on the internet. But I'm here to tell you tonight that it's time we've, we've talked enough. We have talked enough. It's time to actually prove it. If loving people is your purpose, then don't preach about it. Prove it. If God has radically transformed your life, don't just proclaim it, prove it. If you want to see people come to know Jesus, don't just profess it, prove it. If, you, if love is your theology, don't just perfect it in theory, prove it in action. If you really want to see the world change, if you really want to make a difference in this world, don't just post it, prove it. We've talked long enough. We have chatted about it long enough. It is time to let your life do the talking, not your lips. Do you look like Jesus? Does your life look like Jesus? If I was to creep on you for a day, which would be weird, I'm not going to do that. If I was to follow you around for a day and never talk to you, just follow you, would I be able to tell that you love Jesus? If I never looked at your Instagram account, would I be able to tell that you love Jesus? If I never looked at your super spiritual blogs, would I be able to tell that you love Jesus? Not with your mouth, but am I able to tell that you love Jesus with your life? Yeah? Prove it. Enough talking. We've all talked. We've we've done it. You want to be like Jesus? You want to live like Jesus? You want to look like Jesus? Put your money where your mouth is and prove it. Now's the time to let your life do the talking, not your lips. Prove it. Let's pray.